the teams you care about. Mac Jones is good. That's not the question. The question is, is he good enough to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC? The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar, book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a Thursday right here on WDEV-AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show again today. We're up until 6.10. Then we've got... The big opener of the Red Sox-Yankees series. First time the Yankees have been to Fenway this year. That's hard to believe. We haven't even seen the Yankees since that first series of the year period. Sox enter play today, currently tied for first in the wild card standings after losing last night to the Rays. They are 0-8 now in series against AL East opponents. And frankly, I don't think that's going to change this weekend. I think the best the, the Sox can hope for is a split in this series. We'll talk more about that at about 6.05. But we've I got a lot of thoughts on the Sox, on Brian Bayo's debut, on Chris Sale's performance and his antics last night. We're going to get to all of that. And I'm catching heat from Patriots fans on Twitter, and I'll tell you why that is happening as well. You can get in, as always, on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. You are locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. You can also, no video today, by the way, no video by today, doing a couple of updates on things, so you can't check us out on Facebook or YouTube or on my Twitter account. But again, you can get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line. Uh, let's waste no time, everybody. We're going to get right to it. We're going commercial-free until 6 o'clock. Commercial-free. I got so much to say. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. With locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber, they are online at sticksandstuff.com. I just kind of want to get right to it on the Red Sox. I have a laundry list of thoughts and observations right now. Number one, looking back at the last two days, Sox lose last night to the Rays by a score of 7-1. to one. You see how different this Red Sox lineup is without Rafael Devers in it. We talk about why the Red Sox need to re-sign Devers, why he needs to be a part of the long-term future of this organization. The last couple of nights are why. When Devers is not there... This lineup, while still good, is a lot less intimidating and a lot less complete. With Christian Vasquez hitting second, that's a lot different than Rafael Devers. With Christian Vasquez hitting cleanup like we saw the other day, that's a lot different than Rafael Devers being there. The Red Sox need him back. They need him fully healthy moving forward. He's been dealing with a, you know, with, with some hamstring issues, dealing with some back issues. This team needs him. Christian Arroyo is a good player. He's a useful player. He's a player that I like. But having him at third base and in your batting lineup, I mean, we all know this. It's not even in the same stratosphere as having Rafael Devers. You cannot afford to have Arroyo have to be in there 
and play without Devers. They need him. And the other thing I was thinking as I watched last night, you know how when you watch the game they flash all the statistics up on the screen for each batter? And as I saw one by one batters come to the plate, it just kind of it just kind of struck me. Where is the Red Sox power this year? I was thinking to myself, the Red Sox are supposed to be a power offensive team. And as I saw one by one the batters come to the plate, I'm like the Red Sox home run numbers, they've got to be way down this year. I mean, J.D. Martinez has eight home runs. It's July 7th. Xander Bogarts has seven home runs. I know it still feels like we're in the early going of the season, but we're not. We are more than halfway through this thing. Okay, We have played nominally more than half of the schedule. At this point, the Red Sox are 20th in baseball coming into today. 20th in baseball in home runs hit. Tied for 20th. They are in the same neighborhood as the awful Reds and the awful Royals. Now, there are good teams that don't hit a lot of home runs. The Mets don't hit a lot of home runs. So it's not a requirement that you hit homers in order to be good. But it certainly does help. And for a Red Sox team that is struggling with runners in scoring position this year, it would be nice to see them cover for some of that by hitting the ball over the wall. And this year, they're just not doing it. And I didn't really realize just how pervasive the lack of power has been for this team. I mean, you take Devers out of there, and the team is hitting almost no home runs. Like, Devers and Story, that's it. Devers and Story are the only guys that are being able to hit the ball over the wall this year for this team. I mean, Xander Bogarts has seven homers. He's on pace for 14 home runs this season. He hasn't hit less than 20 in a full season since 2017. And even in the COVID year of 2020, he hit 11 in a 60-game season. So this being on pace for 14 is a power drain for him. J.D. Martinez is on pace for 16 home runs. I know he's older, but he hasn't hit fewer than 20 since he became a full-time player, I think, back in 2014. He's only ever hit under 25 homers in a full season once since becoming a full-time player. So 16 is a huge, you know, being on pace for 16 is a huge downturn for him. Make no mistake, The Red Sox power numbers are down. Alex Verdugo's on pace for 12. He hasn't taken a jump power-wise. Bobby Dahlbeck's given nothing. Franchi Cordero's hit the ball harder, but hadn't hit the ball over, over the wall very much. I mean, this is a Red Sox team right now that has been sapped of power. And when you are not just... Look, the Red Sox don't run a ton. They run more now with Duran there. They don't run a ton. They don't bunt. They don't manufacture all that often. And now you factor in they're not hitting for power. This contributes to this kind of offensive stifling we've seen here over the last couple of days, but in really any time they've struggled, and it's good pitching. Now, I do think as the weather continues to heat up and the humidor takes effect, I do think the Red Sox will hit more home runs. But I'd like to see them start this weekend in a huge four-game set against the Yankees. You know, the Yankees are 14 games up on the Red Sox right now. The division is over as far as I'm concerned. We're not talking about the division. But the Red Sox have 80 games left. They have 16 against the Yankees. One-fifth of their schedule is against the Yankees. 
This is going to be a real tough second half plus of the season, and the Red Sox are going to have to earn it, and they're going to have to start hitting for some power, which they just haven't done this year. And again, it wasn't that noticeable to me. It didn't really crystallize with me like until yesterday. When I see 7, 8, 6 all come up here right around each other in the order, Red Sox are going to have to hit for some power. All right. Let's move to Bayo's debut. He goes four innings. He gives up four earned runs. He has a couple of walks. He gets a pair of strikeouts. I thought there would be no middle ground yesterday. I thought he would be great or he would be horrible. He was kind of in that middle ground, really. Goes to four innings, gives up the four runs, had kind of the bad luck single by G-Man Choi. He had the Arena ball that was hit, you know, that Arena hit a ball that was practically over his head. But, I mean, we saw some good stuff from him. I know it's not the result. It's why I thought you needed to really win on on Tuesday to try to you know protect Bayo against having to win you the series. It's not the result we wanted, but he seemed poised, threw a first pitch strike on the first pitch of the game, 96, 97 miles an hour. The power changeup was there. He showed why he has the reputation of the Sox top pitching prospect. And after the game, he spoke through an interpreter about what he learned. Yeah, I learned that they're not the same here as so you face uh, down there in AAA. Uh, there you, you face uh, batters who are smart, who are select, uh, selective hitters, who, who are going to pick out their, the pitch that they want to hit, and that's what I learned from my next, my next outing. I think that's a really smart way for Bayo to look at things, and it's a good takeaway from the outing overall. The hitters at the major league level, they make you pay for almost everything, and you need to learn that sooner rather than later. They make you pay for walks. They make you pay for getting behind in the count. They make you pay for mislocation. They make you pay for not being able to get over your breaking ball like Bayo couldn't yesterday. He had those three walks. You can't do that in four innings. Bayo said he's already learned he needs to be more aggressive rather than being kind of passive, which is what he thought he was yesterday, kind of nitpicking too much. So it was a tough spot for Bayo to be in against a good team, pitching for a team that Badly needed a win and badly needed to try to win a series against an AL East opponent. It was a tough situation for Bayo. I thought he handled it well on the field. I thought he handled it well after the game also. And I also appreciated what Alex Cora had to say about it after the game too. You know, we'll see what we do next. Um, but, um, you know, just happy that he was able to to get out there and, uh, you know, enjoyed, enjoyed this. Obviously, he's disappointed with the results, but... At the end of the day, you know, like he's a big leaguer, and we're proud of him. I, I think that is one of the things that makes Alex Cora great. Okay, I got an email recently from a listener who said he doesn't think Alex Cora is that great. This is one of the things that he, he's special about. Okay, Cora gets the moment. Like, he understands the team needed a win. He understands the team just dropped a game in the standings to the Rays, and they're now tied. He knew yesterday was big, but he never made it bigger than it needed to be for Bayo. He made it about Bayo. He he talked after the game and said, hey, he's a big leaguer now, and we're proud of him. I think that's kind of a, a dad-like quality that's important there and that Cora possesses. I, I was actually very happy to hear him say that. He didn't come out and chew the kid out. He didn't say we needed something great and the kid failed. He said the kid realized a lifetime goal. He is now a major leaguer, and we're proud of him. Not the result, but I appreciated what Cora had to say. And as for Bayo, 
we don't know exactly where he's going to be here um, over the next couple of weeks, you know, and what exactly his path is going to look like. But we do know that Hyam Bloom said today on WEEI he's not going to the bullpen. He's not going to be a long-term option in the bullpen for the major league team. And I like that. I, I know with the velocity, with the strikeout potential, I know people want that in the major league bullpen for the stretch run, but I want Bayo to develop as a starter. He's a guy next year who can make my opening day rotation. I want him to get starters reps. Next year's rotation has a lot of intrigue to it, and I want Bayo to have a chance to earn a spot in the rotation right away next year, so I want him to get a starter's workload this year, starter's experience, go through the grind of getting ready to start games and to do it for a full season. I think that's the right move that High and Bloom makes. He may make more starts for the Red Sox this year, but to be a long-term answer in the bullpen for the rest of this season, High and Bloom says no, and I'm glad about that. So an interesting stat, too, by the way. Bayo, his sinker, Average more than two feet of break. Two feet. Like only two qualified starters that throw as hard as Bayo does have more movement than that. The kid, while disappointing yesterday, still has plenty of potential, and I'm not selling my uh, selling my stock in Brian Bayo. Um, okay, let's move over to Chris Sale. This is kind of my last Red Sox thought here. Um, before I get about 605, we'll talk about Red Sox Yankees, but... Sale pitched at Worcester yesterday in AAA. Could have been his last rehab start. Might be his last rehab start. But he went three and two-thirds innings, a couple of soft hits. The big issue for Sale was he had five walks, including a bases-loaded walk to force in a run. The team had hoped to get Sale through five innings in a rehab start, but again, he goes just to three and two-thirds. But after the game, despite the lack of command, Sale seemed actually pretty upbeat about his stuff. It's inconsistent, at, at all of them. I mean, I, I had the best fastball, the best slider, and the best changeup tonight, just not consistently. So it was, you know, one in, one in five pitches was, hey, that one was good. That's not going to fly in the big leagues. I need to clean that up, obviously, this next week in the bullpen and stuff like that. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm excited for that task. You know, I, like I said, it was there. So Sale doesn't throw enough strikes yesterday. He only threw uh, 72 pitches. He threw 42 strikes and 30 balls. That's that's not good enough. We want to be really like a 2-to-1 strike-the-ball ratio, and that wasn't the case yesterday for Sale. But I can believe and appreciate what he's saying there because that's sometimes the way it goes. Like, you come out and you feel good, you have good stuff, but you just haven't had the reps enough, so your mechanics are a little disjointed. Like, how many times have you come out and maybe like you're playing golf, right? Think about this, and we can all relate to this. You haven't played golf for three weeks, right? You haven't played golf for three weeks. You come out, you play, and you hit. You feel pretty good. You hit a few great drives. Have a couple of good short game stuff, you know, a couple of good, uh, you know, a couple of good wedge shots, a couple of good putts, but you certainly throw in some clunkers in there also. You kind of feel like you've got two thirds of your game, but not the whole game. It happens to all of us, and it happened to Sale as well. So I, I can believe that. Like, hey, I had great stuff, I just didn't have it consistently enough. 100%, I can believe that. However, <laughs> And like Sale goes to the podium and kind of takes the high road on it, right? He doesn't he doesn't fixate on the results, but it runs completely counter to what Sale did at the game, and that's what bothers me. Did you see the video 
that's made it viral now around New England. After Sale was taken out of the game yesterday, he walks in the run, his fifth walk, right? He, he walks in the run, he gets taken out. He went to the clubhouse and started tearing the place up. Like he ripped a flat screen TV off the wall in a fit of rage and then kicked it. Like all I can say is come on, man, like be better. Chris Sale told us afterwards how good he felt. He he told us how, you know, he didn't take the results all that seriously. He, he was happy. It was a good work in progress type stuff. He, he took the high road after the game. Take the high road during the game. Like, I appreciate that you care. I don't even mind when somebody slams something in frustration. But this is some 17-year-old clubhouse attendant that is now going to have to clean up the damage that you've done. The Woo Sox are not made of money like the Red Sox are. I believe the Red Sox now own the Woo Sox, if I'm remembering this correctly, and the whole restructuring. It's like the money's not even the issue. It's you've created a problem for a 17-year-old clubhouse attendant and for a bunch of people in Worcester that are just trying to do their best to accommodate you while you're on your rehab. That's not right. You said it was a fine outing. You said you had great stuff. Leave it at that. Take that mentality into the clubhouse. There's no need for this. Like, be a professional. Chris Sale is 33 years old. He's not 21. I know you're frustrated by the last few years. I know you're frustrated by last night. But walk into the clubhouse, think about how you can find the consistency, and be appreciative that the Worcester people have bent over backwards to make you feel at home at AAA in a place you don't want to be. Be appreciative of that. Don't destroy the clubhouse. I get it. He can pay for it. I get it. He can buy a great meal for the entire organization. That's all fine. But be a professional. It never should have happened. I saw John Tomasi of NBC Sports Boston just shred sale today in in a column. It was childish. It's one thing in the major leagues to come off and slam the water cooler and take a bat to the to the water cooler. That's one thing. These people at AAA, they've treated you as a guest, and I promise you, they have treated you as a king. They have treated you as a king, and you and you disrespect those people by tearing apart the clubhouse. That that to me is not right, and I and I'm not for it. I am not for it at all. I, I think Sale is completely in the wrong there. I think it's absolutely a terrible look, and even before. Tomasi shredded Sale in that column. He was on TV and was talking just about Sale in general and how much he can contribute. How can you be, Trenny? I mean, I'd love to say yes, but we're talking about a guy whose contract kicked in in 2020 and he has made nine starts since. $145 million, nine starts in two-plus years. So I'll believe it when I see it. Look, let me separate it here. I think Sale's absolutely a punk for how he acted after the game last night. From an actual baseball standpoint, I get where Tomasi is coming from. You want to, you'll believe it when you see it. But I actually think Sale is going to contribute. But I don't count on it. I don't bank on it if I am if I'm high in bloom. You know what I mean? Like I'm not cutting guys just because Chris Sale's back. I'm not trading guys just because Sale's back. I think Chris Sale is going to contribute. I don't know to what level, but I think he's going to be a part of this. Does that mean 
If he makes seven very good starts and then he's hurt again, maybe. Does it mean he makes 12 mediocre starts and just eats inning and, and saves a bullpen and goes four and three? Maybe. Does it mean that Chris Sale pitches in the bullpen in the playoffs? Maybe. I think Chris Sale is going to be a part of this. I don't think he is going to be anything that you can count on or rely on. I think you just take what you have day by day and go from there. So I can't cut guys. I can't release guys. I can't shut minor leaguers down. Oh, because Sale's back. But I do think he's going to contribute in some way. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Again, Red Sox baseball against the Yankees coming up tonight with our coverage beginning at 610. It's Josh Winkowski against Garrett Cole. I'll give you my thoughts on that and this series at about 605. I do want to move to a to a relatively quick Patriots story. I have seen this notion a few times And it is infuriating to me. I've seen the notion that Pat's rookie wide receiver, Tyquan Thornton, may not make a big impact this season. Let me make this as clear as possible. Tyquan Thornton needs to make an impact this season, right away. I heard last month Mike Reese of ESPN say Thornton may need to play on special teams to have any chance of contributing I saw my guy Henry McKenna of Patriots Wire point out the other day on Twitter that Thornton will have a hard time cracking the the field because of the Pats' wide receiver depth. These ways of thinking, they're unacceptable. They are unacceptable. The New England Patriots drafted Tyquan Thornton in the second round of the NFL draft this year. He needs to be on the field, and he needs to make an impact. And it needs to happen soon. The Patriots are a team that went to the playoffs last year. They're looking to get better in a loaded AFC. They don't have time to be red-shirting wide receivers. They don't have time. The Patriots are not good enough to be picking people in the second round and shelving them. If Tyquan Thornton was a second-round pick, cannot crack the rotation, then you have made a mistake in drafting him that high. If that is the case, that Thornton can't find the field as a rookie, then the Patriots made a mistake in drafting him, and they should have taken a linebacker or a secondary piece or someone that could help ASAP. The Patriots are not the Rams. They are not the Chiefs. They are not so loaded that you can just take flyers on guys and just watch them grow like a flower. The Patriots need instant impact. They lost J.C. Jackson. They lost their entire starting linebacker core from last year. The Patriots need a pass rush. Like, they needed help instantly on defense. If you passed on all of those needs, all of those immediate needs, in order to get a wide receiver, that wide receiver needs to play. He cannot be redshirted. He cannot be redshirted. I spoke with Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio about that yesterday, and he agreed with me completely. You don't draft a second-round player in modern football on the offensive side of the football and say it's going to be a redshirt year. Thank Even you. Even if you're loaded at that position, 
you find a way to get your playmakers on the field because the days are over, Brady, when you can just either sit somebody on the bench. You do that with a quarterback because you have a veteran in front of him. You want him to learn if he's not ready yet. You do it the San Francisco 49ers there. When you draft a Trey Lance, a third pick in the draft, you sit him on the bench behind Jamaica Garoppolo, a guy that got you to a Super Bowl. You do that with that position depending on who's at that position. You don't do it with anybody else. Freddie's completely right. Freddie is completely right. That would be a huge mistake if the Patriots basically redshirt Tyquan Thornton. If Tyquan Thornton cannot find the field, it is a gross miscalculation on the part of Bill Belichick and whoever's helping him in the front office. This Patriots team is going to be driven by its offensive performance. It's a scary thought, but the offense is the better unit on this team. They need help from everyone, and they need Thornton to be a huge part of it. Does he need to catch 95 balls? No. I get it. They do have the depth that Henry McKenna worried about. He doesn't need 95 balls. No one on this team needs 95 balls. If he catches 35, if he catches 45, but there's some big play home run ability in there, then I'm fine with it. But he's got to be a part of it. If you need to make room for him, then trade Nelson Aguilar if you can. But a second-round pick has got to play and contribute, or else he was the wrong pick. I mean, look at recent history. Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown. These are second-round picks, I believe, all from the same class a couple of years ago. They are all stars. Your guy doesn't have to be a star right away, but he's got to be able to play right away. He's got to be able to play right away. Otherwise, he's the wrong choice. Otherwise, you should have taken a DB. You should have taken a linebacker. You should have taken an edge rusher. You could have gotten another tackle. You could have done anything that would have helped you this year. The Patriots are not good enough to just plan for the future like that. This isn't the NBA where you could be the Celtics and have a couple of stars and it's a 12 to 14 person roster, and we could take a guy who's going to stay stashed in Europe for three years. This isn't the NHL where you can keep guys playing in the KHL until they're ready to come over. This is the NFL. You need immediate returns. Tyquan Thornton needs to be able to play right away. They do have a lot of pass catchers Hunter Henry, John U. Smith, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Aguilar, James White, Ramondre Stevenson. They do have pass catchers. The depth is real, but Thornton's got to find his way into the mix. This is a laughable notion to me of, of him not being able to find the field. He's got, he can be a special teams guy, punt returner, kick returner. That would be a good start, but he's also got to be a part of the wide receiver plan. I, I hated this theory when I heard it from Mike Reese a month and a half ago, and I hate it when I read it from Henry McKenna. The other day, and Patriots Twitter, I because I I commented on it on Twitter on Henry's article, and Patriots Twitter is like laughing at me. They're like, he doesn't have to contribute. He doesn't have to contribute. Yes, he does. The Buffalo Bills are so loaded; they might be able to draft the guy and stash him, and let him grow. The Rams can do that. The Chiefs could draft the guy who was injured and let him sit for a year until he recovers. Teams can do that. You are not one of those teams. You need every person on your 53-man roster to be somebody that can help and can help instantly. The Patriots are not good enough 
to play that kind of game. With Tom Brady and Gronk and Edelman and, and all that, they, they they were good enough too. Right? You could you could stash guys like they did with James White, like they did with Damian Harris, although he came a little bit later. Okay, you could do that in the past. Can't do that now. Not this team. It is the Brady Farkas show. I'm flummoxed that Patriots Twitter was mad at me too. I thought this was be a largely agreeable take like me and Freddie think. I, I, I was shocked that they were upset. On a side note, I can't believe we're less than three weeks away from training camp. We are less than three weeks away from training camp. Like this NFL offseason has gone so fast. Maybe more so for us because the deep run the Celtics had. Like we've been talking about the NBA so much, but like, We're almost here again. The MLB All-Star game is coming up in a week and a half, and then it's training camp time. Like I feel like it was yesterday. I was at the Patriots game January 2nd against the Jaguars, and here we are. Football season is just about back. It's pretty pretty amazing to me, and it's going to be an interesting camp for the Patriots because I can't pinpoint yet what the big story exactly is going to be. I have some ideas. But, like, last year it was so overwhelmingly Mac Jones versus Cam Newton. This year we're not going to have anything quite that big or quite that um, controversial is the wrong word. Quite that polarizing. I don't know what the big story is going to be. I got a few ideas, and uh, we'll continue to uncover them all every step of the way as we are your Patriot station. The Pats look to make another run to the playoffs. Red Sox baseball coming up about 10 minutes from now. We'll get you ready for a four-game weekend series against the Yankees. That's coming up next on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, always streaming on the WDEV Radio app. And uh, I don't feel good. I hate to say this, but I don't feel good about the weekend ahead for the Sox. I'll tell you why. That's next right here on WDEV, AM and FM. 96.1 WDEV FM Warren. 96.5 W243AT Berry. 98.3 W252CU Montpelier. AM550 WDEV Waterbury. Your chance to be part of the show is on the text line at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. A couple of minutes away from Red Sox baseball. I will tell you why I don't feel great about this series and also give you the Sox lineups here, but a couple of news updates that have just come in here on social media. Ian Brown of uh, MLB.com, who covers the Red Sox, says this. We didn't know how long Brian Bayo was going to be around for. Well, it looks like Bayo is likely to get another start against the Rays. That would be on Monday night at Tropicana Field. Says Michael Wacott's not ready to pitch tomorrow, so that's not good. But he also adds that Chris Sale is likely to come back with the team on Tuesday in Tampa. So Bayo staying for Monday, Sale coming for Tuesday. I also saw in the commercial break Sale say uh, that uh, we're going to react a lot to what Sale had to say about his whole outburst we talked about earlier. Sale basically said, I'm an emotional guy. This is what you get. I wouldn't be here if if I didn't, you know, if I, if I wasn't that way. 
not a huge fan of that response. He did say he was an idiot. He did say it was a temper tantrum. And he did pick up the tab for everything like we knew he would. We said a little while ago we're sure he would pay. And he did. Allegedly, he paid $6,000 for dinner and fixing the TV. So that's all great. So I can appreciate that Sale took care of it. But still, an awful look. And I don't think that his comments here are a whole lot better. Like, yeah, you're emotional. That's great. It's still a place that was treating you as a king, and they deserve better than that. And a 17-year-old doesn't deserve to have to clean up your mess and breaking the TV. Um, I don't love this series. I do not love this series for the Red Sox. Uh, obviously, the Yankees are 14 games up on the Sox. The Yankees are just out and out better as we stand here 80-plus games into the season. The Yankees have the best record in baseball. The Yankees can hit for power all through their lineup. Yankees have a power bullpen. I mean, the Yankees have the advantage here. When I hear that Waka can't go tomorrow, and I hear that the starter on Saturday is to be determined, I don't. I, there's nothing to like about this. You get Garrett Cole against a rookie tonight in Josh Winkowski. That's not great, despite the fact that Cole has not been great in Boston in the last couple of years, and especially not great with the Yankees. Then you get TBD Friday, Saturday. You know, Nestor Cortez is going to pitch uh, in this series. You're going to see Tyon. I just, th- this is a lopsided series. If the Red Sox split, I will be thrilled. I, I will be thrilled if the Red Sox split and before they head to Tampa. So you can't lose three or four. You can't get swept. The, the deck is stacked against you right now. But the Sox do have one thing working in their favor. Yeah, what's working in the Red Sox favor is that there's no Aaron Judge in the lineup today dealing with some lower body issues according to Aaron Boone. It's Cole against Winkowski on the mound. DJ LeMay who's at first for the Yanks. Torres at second. Matt Carpenter the DH. Giancarlo Stanton in left. Josh Donaldson at third. Aaron Hicks in center. Jose Trevino the catcher. Isaiah Conner-Falefit short. Joey Gallo in right. This is a power hitting lineup for the Yanks but not a high average lineup. Winkowski behind him, Jaron Duran in center, Devers back in at third, Martinez the DH, Bogarts at short, Alex Verdugo in left, Trevor Story at second, Franchi Cordero at first, JBJ in right, and Kevin Ploiecki is the catcher, and he bats ninth. Go Sox, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow on DEV.